Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us for tonight's broadcast. Pastor Dudley is the senior pastor of Shepherd Church, which is one church on three different campuses in the greater Los Angeles area at Porter Ranch, Woodland Hills, and Agua Dulce. We'll be joining Pastor Dudley in just a moment. But first, we want you to know this program is called Lift Up Jesus because we exist to lift up Jesus and the life-changing truth of the gospel. And we do this every night, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. here on KKLA. No matter where you're listening from right now, in your car or your home or at work, you're about to hear bold, uncompromising teaching about faith, family, and daily life. We believe there is nothing like immersing yourself in the Bible each and every day to completely transform your life. We thank you again for joining us tonight. We know you're going to be enriched and encouraged by tonight's program. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message from God's Word. So I have this funny story I, re- I found about an atheist. You all know what an atheist is, right? Okay, so this atheist, he's, he's on a walk through the woods, and he's looking at all creation, the majestic trees. Of course, he does not believe in God. And he hears a rustling in the bushes, and he turns, and there's a seven-foot grizzly bear who starts chasing him, right? And then the atheist, he trips and he falls. And the atheist cries out, please help me, God. So time froze, the bear froze, the forest was silent, even the river stopped moving. As a bright light shone upon the man, a voice came out of the sky, which is God. And God says, you deny my existence for all these years, you teach others that I don't exist, and you even credit creation to some cosmic accident. Do you expect me to help you out of this predicament? Am I to count you as I would a believer? And the atheist looked directly into the light and said these words, It would be hypocritical of me to suddenly ask you to treat me as a Christian now, but perhaps you could make the bear a Christian. (laughs) Very well, said the voice. And the light went out, the river ran again, the sound of the forest returned. And then the bear dropped to his two knees, brought both paws together, bowed his head, and began to pray, Lord, thank you for this food which I'm about to receive. Oh, that's a funny story. We are in a series called Nike. That is a Greek word that's actually found in the Bible, and it's a word that means to overcome. And we're looking at characters or people in the Bible who overcame impossible situations when God showed up. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Daniel chapter 6, and I want to speak to you today on the subject of Daniel in the lion's den. I want to ask a question. How many of you like me, you were raised in church? You were raised in church. 
Now, for those of you that were not raised in church, let me explain what that means. When I say I was raised in church and people that raised their hand, we went six times a week. It's not like today where we can't get people to show up once a week. They act like that's a big deal. Are you with me on this? Now, if you were raised in church, you were always taught the same 12 stories over and over again. Uh, You were taught the story of Noah and the ark, Abraham and Isaac, story of David and Goliath, Samson and Delilah. You would always be told the story of Peter walking on the water, the story of the prodigal son, the story of the lost sheep. And one of the stories that we were taught over and over again is the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Well, how many of you enjoy windows? You like windows. You know what a window is. For the most part, windows are a very beautiful thing unless they're really dirty. But there's all kinds of windows, bay windows, French windows, big windows, small windows. Windows have many purposes. Some are for decorative purposes. Some are for ventilation purposes. Some are to let outside light in. But the primary purpose of a window is the view. The view is the primary purpose of a window. And a lot of people don't know this, but the sermon of Daniel in the lion's den, it circles around a window. And not just any window, but an open window. And I'll explain that to you today. Here's how the story goes. Daniel was but 12 years of age when he was carried off into the land of captivity. Now, the Babylonians had thrown a great siege around the city of Jerusalem. If you know biblical history, Israel had basically a civil war To some degree, it had split between two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom had already been carried off into captivity. All that was left were the remnants of the southern kingdom, which was Judah. And the southern kingdom, or Judah, was being captured by the Babylonians and carried 500 miles across the sands to the proudest capital city of Babylon. And there, Daniel was but 12 years of age. And in your notes, uh, I want to show you what happened when he was first deported or taken back to Babylon. You have to go back to Daniel chapter 1, verse 4, and the Babylonians would take the young men, and here's what the Bible says, young men, who without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. The Babylonians would take the young boys that met that standard and they would give them basically a three-year college course on how to work and serve inside the king's palace. And Daniel was one of those boys, all right? So go to Daniel chapter 6, which is our text. He's now a grown man, all right? So I hope you have the background of that. In Daniel 6, verse 1, it pleased Darius. You say, what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar? Well, he died back in chapter 5. So now we're in chapter 6. There's a new king, and his name is Darius. And it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps, or we would call governors, 
to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over the 120, one of whom which was Daniel. So here was what King Darius did. He took 120 uh, men to govern all of Babylon. And then he found three who would govern the 120. Daniel, in our story, is one of the three that would govern the 120 that would rule the entire empire, the most powerful empire in the world at that time. No nation had ever exercised such power and might as did the Babylonians. And Daniel was one of the three who oversaw the 120 that oversaw the entire kingdom. And then we come to verse 3. It's an amazing verse. Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king, Darius, planned to set Daniel over the entire kingdom. Daniel was going to be second in command. Now do not forget this truth that Daniel was a Jew. He's an outsider. The Jews have always been unfairly and wrongly hated and despised. These 120 governors were jealous of Daniel. They were thinking to themselves, well, if anything would ever happen to our great King Darius, then Daniel, a Jew, would now be in command. And just imagine today, if you think about the lands of Iran and Iraq, that is Babylon, Bible times, and those nations have ruled and announced the death to Israel. And imagine if somehow a Jewish person was second in command in Iran. You can imagine how this just can't happen. We can't let a Jew be second in command, right? And so they have to come up with a plan to get rid of this Jew named Daniel. And so we come to verse 4. This is the plan they come up with. And I just want to read through this. At this, the administrators and the satraps, they tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. They thought that he had something to do with the Russians. They didn't know exactly what it was. But uh, they knew he had something in his background. But the Bible says they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him. Because he was trustworthy and he was neither corrupt nor negligent. Amen? Verse 5. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless, of course, it has something to do with the law of his God. So verse 6 says, So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators and the prefects and the satraps, the advisors and the governors all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, should be thrown into the lion's den. 
Verse 8. Now, O king, issue this decree and put it into writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. They came up with this plot to come up with a situation where no one can pray to anyone except to you, O king. And anyone who prays to any other god, let the punishment be they shall be thrown into a den of hungry lions and King Darius. It was signed. It was sealed. It became the law of the land. It was set in concrete. Now Daniel is a godly man. How many of you know we need more godly men? Oh, we need godly men. And he had a blessed habit. There's bad habits and good habits. He had a blessed habit of praying every single day, three times a day. Daniel prayed every morning, every noon, and every night. And when he prayed, he would always pray to the west. He'd go upstairs and he would have a window and the window would be open. And that window was facing Jerusalem. It was facing his home. When he was but 12 years of age and carried off into captivity, every single day he would go up to the open window with his face back towards Jerusalem and he would pour out his heart before God. He would pray faithfully and fervently and continually and consistently. And it was because of his faithful prayers that the 120 founded their evil trap. And they tricked King Darius into signing this decree just to destroy Daniel, a godly man. So now it's against the laws of the land to pray to Jehovah God. Now Daniel has three questions he must answer. Question number one, I hope you're with me on this. Question number one, will Daniel continue to pray as much as he did before? Will this law in the land not to pray to any other god, will that stop Daniel from praying? Well, let's look at verse 10. The Bible says, Now when Daniel learned, that means that he heard that the decree had been published. Was he scared? Did he stop praying? The Bible says he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were opened toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. When threatened by the laws of the land and culture not to pray, he kept praying every morning, every noon, and every night. My question is this, do you do that? Do you pray? Do you pray routinely? It doesn't have to be three times a day. It doesn't have to be two times a day or ten times a day. But do you have a set time of prayer every day? Now don't get upset with me when you hear these words. If you don't have a set time to pray, you probably don't pray very much. You say, oh no preacher, I pray a lot. I just don't pray at the same time. No, you might lie a lot, but you don't pray a lot. You say, well, I hit and miss. No, you miss, but you don't hit. 
If you really want to be a Daniel, develop a prayer time and pray every day and set an appointment with your prayer closet and keep that appointment. You say, well, if I pray every day, isn't that going to become ritualistic? And I want you to know I'm not much of a person uh, into ritualisms, but I do not know of a better way to keep your heart right with God than to have a set time of prayer. Did you know that it's possible to attend church and not be right with God? Do you know that? Do you know that it's possible to lead a life group and not be right with God? Did you know that it's possible to go on a missions trip and still not be right with God? Did you know that it's possible to volunteer down at the local church and still not be right with God? That's possible. But you cannot pray regularly and not be right with God. You say, well, how's that happen? Well, here's the plan. This was all designed by God. You need to assume some posture of prayer, get down on your knees and start to pray. And then you start to pray for everything you know to pray about. And you know, you, you say, well, Lord, thank, thank you for my family. Thank you for my children, my job, and uh, my church, and thank you for the Bible, and thank you for the tree in my backyard, and thank you for the birds in the tree and the nest that the birds, and in about 37 seconds, you run out of everything to pray for. And eventually, the subject turns back to you and God. Because prayer is not just mimicking some words. Prayer is having an intimate relationship with God. And when you have a relationship with God and you get down on your knees on a regular basis and you talk to God on a regular basis, you know that he knows everything. And eventually the prayer gets back to you. And when the prayer gets back to you, it gets back to your sin. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then in that prayer, one of two things are going to happen. You're either going to confess that sin, acknowledge that sin, And tell God that you're sorry, that you know that it disgusts Him, and you know that you shouldn't be involved, and you repent of that sin, and you tell God you're never going to be involved in that sin again. You're either going to quit sinning, or you'll quit praying. Because you can't do both. You see, prayer is what keeps our hearts in tune with God. Prayer is what builds this intimacy with God. Prayer is what keeps you from being discouraged when things go wrong in your life. Prayer is what gives you the victory over sin. Prayer brings God into the equation of the battle that you are facing. And Daniel, when he was faced with the ultimatum of being thrown into a den of hungry lions, what did he do? He continued to pray. He had a set time of prayer. And nothing was going to come between him and that time with God. Here's the second question he must answer. Will Daniel pray without regards to who sees him? And the answer is yes. So often, I don't know why, but we get scared. We're afraid of what other people are going to think of us as Christians. Many of us were just scared to let people know about our faith in Jesus Christ. Daniel goes right back up those stairs, right back where that window is open, and he begins to pray, and the whole world can see 
All he had to do, if you think about it, all he had to do was shut the window. All he had to do was close the drapes. No one would even know what he was doing up there in that upstairs room. But he goes right up those stairs to the open window, towards the west, towards Jerusalem, and continues to pray and stand with boldness. Genuine faith. When faith is real, when you're truly converted to Jesus Christ, and you realize you're no longer lost, but now you're saved. You were blind, but now you can see. You understand that before you were headed for hell, but now you're going to be in heaven. There is something about when that's real, you can't help but tell everybody you know that salvation is found through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. You can't help yourself. And as soon as you share it, of course, the world is going to try to shh, 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 be quiet. I don't want, you don't bring that stuff in here. At that moment, when the world tells you no, you've got to make a decision. Are you going to continue to stand even though the world doesn't want to hear it? True faith, biblical faith, will never be afraid to tell the world what you believe. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, the righteous. Everybody say the righteous. They are as bold as a lion. Hebrews 13 6 says, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Jesus said in Matthew 5, Are you the light of the world? A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so it will give light to everyone in the house. I want to tell you that when you get saved and you're a Christian, you should want to tell everybody about what Jesus Christ has done for you. You can't help yourself, right? This last week, And it's going to sound strange, but I actually received an invitation, a legit invitation, (laughs) to go to the White House. And I've never been to the White House. But I got an invitation to go, and they're having a day at the White House, and it's called the Day of Listening to Pastors and Spiritual Leaders. And they invited me to go. And uh, I looked at my calendar, and I'm really bummed because I'm scheduled to be out of the country. But I said, keep me on the list. (laughs) And they said they would. Now, whether someone invites you, says, hey, would you come and share your faith, or whether or not they really don't want to hear it, and they're going to ridicule you if you stand up and share, you should always be willing to stand up for your faith. Always. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. As you can tell from his message tonight, Pastor Dudley has a driving passion to talk about Jesus everywhere he goes and with everyone he meets. So often, a person has never heard the life-changing message of the gospel, or perhaps they, at one time, experienced the transformation that is only possible through Jesus Christ, but now they're discouraged or in need of hope. If that is you, we invite you to reach out to us right now and let us pray with you. Our toll-free number is easy to remember. It's 888-818-4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. We have prayer counselors standing by and ready to take your call. 
We also remind everyone that our online services at Shepherd Church can be seen every weekend, either Saturdays at 6 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. on our websites, liftupjesus.com and shepherdchurch.com. We also want you to know that Pastor Dudley Rutherford has a monthly devotional that he'd like to share with you. You can easily sign up to receive this devotional by simply going to our website, liftupjesus.com, and clicking on a link at the top of the page that says Monthly Devotional. There is a place on the Monthly Devotional page where you can enter your name and email address and begin receiving Pastor Dudley's monthly devotions on a regular basis. It's that simple. This is just one of the many resources we offer on our website, liftupjesus.com. That website again is liftupjesus.com. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us every weeknight at the same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley.